morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night, and welcome to Entertainment Plus, the place where we explore the space between art, life, and technology. With me today, Ron and Brittany. Hello, welcome. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Thank you for joining again. We have a really packed show today, which is really going to be fun. We're going to talk about cord cutting. We're going to talk a little bit about the utopian world of Star Trek and much more. We're going to jump into K-pop and my favorite, conspiracy about Microsoft. Not really, but we'll see what we do. We will start with a little bit tagging from last episode, a few subjects that I wanted to touch about. And, and one of them was in the middle of a conversation with Brittany about The Last of Us. Again, amazing show. What I think what I missed from last week that I wanted to say was talking about how they masked all the spaces and how they used like the CGI to create the world and how that created a really weird buffer with the viewers. Because it created a space where people don't know what's real and what's not real in the show. To the point that in the last episode, it's not a spoiler. There's a giraffe. Everybody on the internet said that giraffe was CGI. And it happens that everything else is CGI. The giraffe and the actors are the only real things there. Everything else is a, is a blue screen. And it, I, that blew my mind. And I thought how interesting it is that we are, again, we're seeing how technology changed movies and TV shows to the level that we don't know what reality is anymore. Like dragons flying in Game of Thrones, you know it's CGI, but, you know, at this point, is it? Maybe the dragon was real. <laughs> Maybe everything else was wrong. Maybe it's a puppet. <laughs> I love puppets. Um, they creep me out. Do they? They do. Like, like Chucky. Well, Chucky's not as terrifying, but, I don't know, puppet cats and stuff from, like, mm. Shows in the 90s spook me. <laughs> Wait, so hand puppets from the 90s, they scare you? But... Yeah, Muppets, they're terrifying. The Muppet show scares you? Yep. <laughs> Is he leaving? <laughs> uh -oh. I'm bringing oh, no. Pepe, my favorite Muppet. He sits next to me. He's right here all the time. <laughs> so you're not afraid of the actual killer doll, but you're afraid of Muppets. Legit? Legit? I'm afraid of clowns? I totally get it. I'm um, afraid of them too. I'm afraid of a I lot think of that things. somebody somebody uh, did something to you when you were watching Sesame Street as a kid, and that maybe terrified you for the rest of your life. Probably, probably. On that note of, of all TV shows doing <laughs> things to you, uh, Ron mentioned in last show about how Apple and Amazon are going to become studios and how they're pretty much taking over theater. Here comes an interesting article from this week that it seems that Amazon is actually looking into purchasing AMC. And now this is a big move. And this is, this is a game changer because now we're talking about not only that they're a streaming company and they control a big chunk of like a, a huge chunk of the viewers on streaming, they're taking over cinema and they're actually taking over cinema. They're, they're going to take the theaters right. out. They're going to do whatever. They, they will have freedom and control of whatever is on, when it's on. AMC is, I think, the, the largest movie uh, theater chain in America. And they also have international uh, theaters as well uh, in other countries. So, yeah, with them holding the space where you actually screen the movies and supplying the, the, the content to the screens, yeah, that's a lot of power. Pretty much taking taking over everything, and 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 I think that it's also gonna give them a weight 
in the table, owning the biggest chain of movie theaters in America would give them a lot of a lot of power. They could come and change mm-hmm. the rules and play with the rules with that power. And that's very, very interesting. And this is a, a, one of those stories that we're, we're going to follow. I've always said that uh, Jeff Bezos is going to take over Hollywood. He's got the money to do it. I don't know why he's has waited as long as he has. He can take over anything. It's very true. <laughs> yeah. I, think, I think it's because he's focused on space. That's one of the only reasons. Uh, Blue Origin is like his baby, is right now the thing that vests in but the most. As, as you know or don't know, his uh, girlfriend slash lover, or, or whatever she is, uh, Lauren Sanchez, um, was an anchor for uh, NBC in Los Angeles at KNBC, obviously has a very big interest in television and mm-hmm. movies. And I think she might be the one who is uh, pulling him into that direction more and more. Interesting. Well, time will tell. We're going to find out very soon if they're going to purchase. And if they do, we're going we're gonna to see some changes in the theater world. And it's going to be exciting. Let's not forget that they already own MGM. That's very, very true. Very, very interesting stuff. Now, how is this a monopoly? <laughs> I'm, I, I assume that at some point someone will kind of come and say, antitrust, we need to look into it, which is something that failed with the Microsoft exhibition. Uh, purchase. We're going to talk about that later because I'm very uh, frustrated, as you can hear in my voice. I, I'm really, really <laughs> frustrated about the subject. I don't think, by the way, that movie theaters and uh, movie studios uh, are the same type of business, so they wouldn't be interacting as, as something that is a comp- competition. Yeah, but then you can claim that they have a control on the biggest chain and they can block other studios from gaining the same exact right. It depends on the right, depends on how they so, play. They so might they play nicely. A, they would put a clause in there. Yeah. You know, it's like uh, like uh, the, the television companies buying TV stations, so they have to, like, uh, you know, give up one station and get to other stations and other cities. So, it's, you know... It's, it's... I didn't know that you had to do that. Oh, yeah. Obviously, we don't have a problem with that because we have a big person who has a news network and has several newspapers. And this person, uh, you know, is advertising different things. And on his news channel, he says really, really mean things about the world and about different leaders. And in printed version, he shows the exact opposite. I'm not going to mention names, but everybody knows who I'm talking about. And they are right now, they should be going to court soon. And I assume that things are going to change. But if there's no monopoly on owning TV and written press at the same time, who to say? It's not, it's not as stupid as freedom of speech and TikTok, you know? So yeah. nobody's going to deal with it. It's not like, you know, we have shooting in schools and then we've got, you know, nobody's going to deal with guns. But it's very important to make sure that the government is not shadow banned from TikTok or from Twitter and that TikTok is not banned. And if I'm on that, I want to take two minutes to talk about something very, very serious. And that is the so-called TikTok ban. I don't know who coined that, but I think that is a marketing move. And the reason I'm talking about it is because every one of us on the internet needs to know this. Bill 868, the bill that is called the TikTok ban, is actually the penultimate big brother bill. It comes to say that the president is going to appoint someone who's going to be in charge of a panel that they would choose by themselves with nobody watching over. And from that moment on, they would not have to report to anybody, especially not us, the citizens, about how the changes and what they're dating. We're just going to get a memo saying, well, TikTok is now banned. If that happens, everybody... So, so basically a social media czar. 
So it's even more than social media. We're talking about complete control over the internet, what we see, what we say, and how we say. It's broken in a way that's really kind of gray-areaed in such a beautiful way. But they're talking about even chips that are inside machines that are coming from other countries, they would gain control over them, which means that any security camera, and this could be conspiracy and also could be a bad interpretation of the bill, and they will come and say, hey, that's not what it's meant. But it's written in such a way, and you can go online to congress.gov and search for the bill and read it and see it. It appoints them the power to take control over routers, which means they would see what's going on in and out, read anything and everything. It gives them complete control over the conversations and what's happening online through using it, saying that they are protecting the country. And and the most important part for me, and, and the most the scariest part for me, is the fact that within that, there is also a section that talks about the protection companies have uh, to protect us. So if, let's say, we go on TikTok and say something that's harmful, nobody can sue TikTok for what we said, or Facebook, or Instagram, or any one of them. But with the change this bill is going to introduce, now they're going to be, they could be, blamed for what we say, which means that they no longer will lead platforms for freedom of speech because they are going to be hurt by the bad things or the crazy things that we say. And that should scare everybody because this bill... Yeah, it's censorship. And then there's also the, the, the VPN thing. Right? Oh, oh yes. Thank you for mentioning that. So if they ban TikTok and you say, I want to use a VPN to go online, you're not allowed the bill will give them complete control over the communication information. And if they know that you're accessing something that they banned through this bill, you are now breaking the law. Which means that people like me who lived in five different countries and live all over the world and have apps from different... Specifically, my TikTok was registered in London because that's where I lived. It's in the UK. And my account is still registered within the UK. I think I just changed it when I updated everything for the show. But the fact is is that if I would like to access my information from another country, I'm not allowed. I will break the law by being an international user. And and that is scary. And this is the bill that is uh, backed by the Democratic administration? This is the bill that is backed by everyone. That everybody in Congress that said, oh, this is us, that we, we believe this is bipartisan. All of these people, all of them agree with this bill. Now, it's scary. And I think people should go online and do their research. I mean, if Trump would have come up with this bill all... Oh, hell would have so people it. say that this is a more extreme version of the bill that he tried to introduce that was that failed. Was that the net neutrality one? I, I don't remember one? what was the name. I don't. Net neutrality is about uh, the uh, cable company. What was it? Was it the Patriot um, Act? Um, um, no. no, the net neutrality has to do with the, the speed of the internet. That, um, like, for instance, they sometimes they limit the, the speed that you will watch Netflix so you won't take so much of the broad, mm-hmm. broadband. So the neutrality yeah, is that everybody will get the same access to, to apps and, and websites, et cetera. That's the net neutrality. Yeah. So very important, very important to do your research. Go kind of see a little more. This is not something that's happening today. Even though they made it sound like this is already on the president's table, it's not. It's still in Congress. They're still moved to make to, for this to happen. And people still need to raise their voice. Because I think that one thing that happened from the TikTok hearing and from reading this bill is that we are learning more and more that we are getting us, the citizen all over the world, are getting back our voices. And we need to keep that voice. And we need to still be able to say what we want to say and fight and remind the government that they work for our benefit. 
not the other way around. They are where they are because but, they're supposed you know, to take care the, of us, not take control of us. May I, may I be devil's advocate and I say that, you know, do, but yes, go ahead. with all the, with all <laughs> the crazy things that are said on social media and in, on the internet, somebody also needs to stop it. I mean, just see what happened with the uh, COVID, like all the conspiracy theories and all the ideas of people saying what you're going to get from this uh, vaccine and stuff. If we would not have had that, a lot of the drama that um, was associated with COVID and still is, you know, I live in New York City, you know, people are on the subway with masks three years later. Um, masks that everybody knows have no effect and cannot save you from getting COVID. Um, you know, it's all because of things that people read on the internet. And uh, maybe there needs to be someone who will vet the stupidity that goes maybe on there. Maybe the era of AI would create something that's not a human that gets money from someone else and makes these decisions. As long as these decisions are made by people who get money from different, for, that, that are being pulled by powers way above our pay grade, not fair not fair and not okay and and i agree with you there should be something to mitigate all this information and how we talk about it's definitely not big brother and it's definitely not looking through no. a router or yeah. even more so making me a criminal just by being an international user that's just insane yeah and 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 i think that on that note because people need to learn and we will get back to this i'm sure in a few months when this explodes again we'll end but we have a lot to talk about so we are gonna touch upon a little something, a little beautiful thing that I've heard this week. And Ron, Ron kind of made me remember this. Last week, he talked about record players and how music from that era and how music on record players sounds so much better. And that reminded me a quote from an interview with Steven Spielberg. And Steven Spielberg talked about the difference between digital cameras and film and why he still shoots everything on film. Now, we're talking about a director that has been nominated every decade for the past six decades. So pretty much his whole career, he's been nominated, and, and this is remarkable. And in that interview, he was talking about how technology changed movie making and how he finds that shooting on film keeps a movie alive. And he, what he means by that is that when we shoot on film, and we've developed film, and when we work with film, the film has grains to it. There's like movement, there's dirt, there's life on it that develops. And we can see that on the screen. If, you, if everybody remembers old movies in the cinema, you would have those little dots and you will have things like moving, like Fun. stuff will happen. And I'm not talking about the black uh, mark on the right. That was actually there so the screeners can connect the film correctly. Because the movie will get to the film theater broken up into like layers and then someone at the th at the theater at the movie theater will, had to connect to splice it that's the official like the term they had to splice it back in those marks are the splicing marks that's where you know you know that when that comes the next thing that happens is that because <laughs> the film is over um so that's why the but everything else all that little dust that moves around and all that unclear movement that is that is life and when you shoot in digital, all that disappears. It's not there. The image is so clean, it's almost, what's the word I'm looking for? It's sterile. sterile. It's so clean that it's sterile. And I was like, wow, 
you know, going back to look at movies that I can think about, movies that I loved when they came out and saw in theater and saw on TV then later and saw on video. And then when they moved and remastered them to DVD and now when they're remastering them again, I'm like, that is very true. Movies become almost, they don't, they don't move. Like the screen usually always moved. And now it's not. I mean, there's a static picture. There's a static picture. So that's my shout out, my first shout out to Steven Spielberg for keeping the art form, uh, you know, alive in a way that many others have given up on. So thank you very much, sir. It's interesting. I have been to, like, I've been out in the city recently and there was some girl sitting next to me, like a group of like eight or 10 they pulled out a film camera and started taking pictures and I like did a double take and I was like, whoa, like that was amazing. Like they asked me to take a picture for them and I, cu- I couldn't remember how to do the whole thing. It was a disposable camera, but I know a lot of people that have been buying disposable right. cameras again for that look. I just bought one today actually for my trip next week. Yeah. So I'm really excited. A nice little can- Canon. Um, but there's something to be said about that old quality that or that vibe from back then. It's it's not the same anymore when you're looking through a crystal clear image. It's very true. It's as and even though technology advanced, those are still very expensive. Going back to it, if yeah. mistakes and defects are what makes life beautiful, then that's I think part of it. And with this yeah. talk about dystopian world and the collapse of democracy all over the world, which is actually happening, we see the news. Um, but there's not one country in the world right now that democracy is not fighting a battle for their not lives. Not having her time, yeah. With that, let's talk about a better world. There's a TV show that through the years not only crossed the plane of, of space, but also made us believe that things are possible. Even when, Ron? What year was that? 1964. Almost, what is it? 60 years ago. Almost 60 years ago. Star Trek premieres and had people walk around with wow. screens and touching them. And, you know, when we look at Steve Jobs walking around with the iPad for the first time and the tablets that we walk around and everybody has nowadays... Back then, that's where their dream, that's where it came from, Star Trek. And mind you, mind you, NBC canceled that show Yep. originally. Wow. Halfway through the first season. Can you believe that? Did they, so they renewed it again? Because obviously- No, it came, it came back in the 70s. Yep. Oh, that's very interesting. And was it already CBS? As a movie, yes. But it was, Paramount took over, but that, they, they started with movies and afterwards they did shows. I'd like to call out that Star Trek, yes, they have so much really cool technology that affected our future. But um, one thing that they still refuse to add, and even to the new shows, is seatbelts. And I will never understand. (laughs) Everybody just goes flying (laughs) when things happen. (laughs) You'd think in that period of time they would have figured out how to strap themselves down so they don't Mm. get head injuries from a little Except for Deep Space Nine, I think I've watched enough of all the other shows. No, Enterprise, no. I would not watch Enterprise. What? The first two seasons are amazing. Is that with Scott Bakula? No, yeah, no. Yep, not Scott Bakula. No, it was awful. You don't I want, love not him. Scott Quantum Leap is one of the best sci-fi shows ever. Not the new one, the old one. But the new one is good, is too, it? by the way. And was renewed, by oh, the way, for the second good, season. Good, good. I haven't watched it yet. I was waiting for it to actually show me that, there's a full, that it's not canceled. I was waiting for it to be canceled. But now that it's not canceled, maybe I'll watch it. And it's an Asian guy now. Oh, yes, true. 
And it has the marvelous Mason Alexander Park from Sandman. Well, that's where I met them for the first time and fell in love. So Quantum Leap has a lot of good things going going for it, I think. And now that it's renewed, definitely going to jump in. But going back to Star Trek. Yes. I feel like I'm about to go really dark. Ooh, I like dark. But um, And a little bit less so with technology. But I guess it does have to do with technology and how technology can go very wrong. But I love in Star Trek, like the utopia future and how humans are just like one group of people that have moved past their differences and are finally working together. Um, But instead of climate change being the thing that really like seemed to almost take out humanity, it was making genetically modified humans and the genetic enhancement. There was like a like eugenics wars and a lot of people died in the show. Um, So they outlawed genetic modifying of people but i think that's pretty interesting but looping it back into today and like what's happening we do this to dogs why shouldn't we be doing it to humans because there's a lot of problems and the show goes very much into it especially mm. enterprise which is why you should watch enterprise <laughs> but um <laughs> what is a bummer about like relating all of this today that like even when humans are healed mostly in the future as like a species and we work together the universe itself is still continuously war-torn um, you can't escape it, no matter where you go in the universe. So I don't know. Just pretty dark to think about, but hopefully one day, us on Earth can get it together and be friends. I think that what I'm not clear on is how cloning is not futuristic technology for you, because you said it's not connected to technology, but cloning by itself. Uh, okay. I don't know if it. Yeah, I and, didn't know yeah. that, by the way. And, and genetically modifying humans even after they're already born. Like Bashir in yeah. Deep Space Nine, he was genetically modified after he was born. He was he was not doing really well in school, and his parents paid a lot of money in the black genetic human modifying market. <laughs> to, so they gave him the COVID to shot? make him a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> Conspiracy! Conspiracist! Oh my gosh! So what we learned from this conversation about Star Trek is the fact that to save the world. We need to not clone stuff and not wear seatbelts. I'll take it. I'll take it. Well, <laughs> the seatbelt thing, I have to say, I, I've never noticed that. I've never. Like, it makes me so annoyed. <laughs> I've never thought about it even. I'm like, why don't they? No, but the utopian world that they've created comes from the fact that there's no need to fight for food, there's no need to fight for water. Anything basically belongs to everybody. It's a, it's a it's kind of a problematic because it's not capitalist. Money There's is gone. no money. It's 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 uh, it's I guess maybe that's maybe that's why they canceled it. It was a little bit too communist, to be honest. <laughs> to be honest, this enterprise. So I want to say I, I want to talk about with the COVID conspiracy <laughs> theory. So here about the Star Trek conspiracy theory. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> Star Trek conspiracies. Or theories. The saying that okay, now you're going to think that I'm completely out of it. That, I thought uh, that when you came the, in, the writers <laughs> had had influences by uh, aliens of sorts who gave them idea for the scripts uh, that they wrote and the things that they showed in the in the show, which seemed so futuristic for humans, but were a, a reality for those type of beings oh wait so they met aliens and you're not talking about like mushrooms it was, like straight up <laughs> <laughs> they, like, they actually met involved. them it wasn't oh. just like uh, a good or a bad trip well like, I, I guess I, I don't know if they met them physically or that the aliens 
put the ideas came. in their head or oh. whatever, but that, that there was some outer space kind of uh, influence in creating the outer space Jane world. Roddenberry. Yeah. That makes so much sense, though. That's what I said. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, it is a bit out there. I, I like it. I'm, I'm all for it. But if we're on the... I would, that'd be really cool. And I've, I had, uh, in LA, I'd had a friend uh, that worked as a costume designer in, uh, in, on Star Trek. And she told me of all kinds of weird stories of, like, uh, things disappearing. Like, sometimes they, they would create a costume for a new character. And all of a sudden, that costume specifically would disappear and they just could not find it and they had to go back to the drawing board and, and create a new one and later on you know it was kind of said that uh, <laughs> the aliens didn't like how they portrayed that specific character and just vanished that specific costume i don't That's know so cool. i like i now. really that would want so cool. that to be true <laughs> me too that's really cool <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I I can give you the phone number of that person. She she will. I would. Oh my god! That, I would. That, that 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 is how things went down. Let's bring her on the show. Maybe. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Yes. Unless maybe they've been <laughs> taken by. I would geek out. Talking to someone who worked on the set, on the set, like you know, definitely <laughs> yes, I want that. <laughs> Going to ground us back, not really, but just in the Star Trek universe, but grounding us back to reality because there is a theory that seven of nine actually helped Obama become president. Have you heard of this before? Okay, so, yes. The actress or the actual character? uh, Jerry uh, Jerry Ryan, seven of nine, had to move to Hollywood to work on Star Trek. That caused her and Jack Ryan, her husband, to get a divorce. Again, this is a very uh, abridged version of it. Yeah, if you want to read more, go... Go, go search your conspiracy yourself. So they divorced and he was running for the Senate as a Republican and against him, Obama was running as a Democrat. Now, their divorce was so ugly and information from the divorce got out and that painted Jack Ryan in a really bad light. And so he lost, paving the way for Obama to take control and do what he had to do. So in a way... Voyager got us the first black president. Star Trek changing the future. Maybe it was the aliens. Maybe it was all part of the thing because the the show was not doing well. And then they had to move because obviously Seven of Nine is the most important part of the show. Brilliant. Voyager is is my second. It's my third favorite. Now my favorite is Lower Decks. It's just by far the best script. It's so much fun. It's so true to the original material. It's it has such a like it's so like it's great it's such a great show and the next generation cast like popping oh, yeah. in and out like that's the easter egg and all that yeah. it's so I, great and and i think then i've got um the next generation and then voyager on the other side Same. of the spectrum we've but didn't they cancel the new show that was on discovery now? discovery yes, it's finishing in season yeah. five thank the lord not like fully canceled but like I think they're closing the story and they're either going to absorb them into other things or they're going to find, I don't know. I'm, that's what I was about to say. Discovery and Deep Space Nine are on the bottom for me. I re, yeah, I rewatched Deep Space Nine recently and it used to be my favorite because I think it was like the first Star Trek I ever actually sat down and watched fully. But 
when I go from the next generation back to D Space Nine, it, it's not, there's some really strong characters, but I, it doesn't hit the same as I would. It's a lot darker. And I don't so think Next I Generation like was the first show that they did, you know, on television after the original was canceled in 64, because first came a series of movies that brought back the original cast with Captain Kirk and uh, Leonard um, and, and Spock and etc. Uh, oh, and then the the uh, and then those this cast was kind of like too old at this point to to do another TV show, so they created and Next Generation, and that was the first time that Star Trek came back to television. There is much to say about Star Trek, and it's definitely something we're going to come back to. Many years, many shows, things to talk about, and many technologies. The way we absorb Star Trek is through a streaming network. And streaming is becoming very expensive. It's coming to the point that cord cutting is more expensive than cable. And this is, for me, it's just history repeating itself because that's what it is. Individual channels, each of them becomes too expensive. Something comes up to make a collaboration or like a group of them gives you a package with everything. Then that package becomes too expensive. Everybody breaks down to different channels and history repeats itself. But Ron, this week, I think we've read like about five or six different articles about how crazy that is. Yeah, so the irony of it is that, you know, they said that... uh, you're going to be doing a streaming service and then uh, um, you're going to decide which streaming service you're going to go for. But now that won't work anymore because everyone needs more than one streaming service. So you like, uh, you do, uh, you, let's say Amazon because you have, uh, most people have Prime and then you pay also Netflix, but that's not enough because then you cannot see the channels and then you cannot see the sports and then you add you know, more and more to it. And, and times and you add HBO Max and Disney Plus. And if you want to have the sports packages, it just becomes on and on. And the kids packages and, and you know. And if you want a live package, I think one of the articles mentioned uh, YouTube live, umping their price by 108%, going from 30 something to 70 yeah. something dollars. That's that's insane. Oh, wow. Well, the thing is that it's not only YouTube's fault. The, the, the channels themselves uh, have been uh, updating how much they're charging because um, what they what happened was that when the MVP started, uh, they didn't charge them as much. I think it's the same story as happened with um, SAG and Netflix and all the other shows when they started doing movies. They didn't pay the full price like they would pay for a movie that was done by a studio. Uh, as uh, Netflix became bigger and uh, had more viewers, you know, the, also the unions uh, decided to to update the, the rates. Uh, and now, you know, they're, they're paying the exact same uh, rates as a regular studio does. So same thing with those streaming services where they got like, a, you know, the, the chances, oh, okay, we'll earn some extra money from putting it online as well. But now that they're seeing that more and more people are cutting the cord from traditional cable uh, and moving to, to the online thing, they're like, okay, why do we need to lose money? So uh, they're updating how much they're charging. Uh, how it goes in cable is that you pay for every subscriber, you pay a certain amount like a few cents to 10 cents to 20 cents per subscriber and that adds up so and those 10 cents or 15 cents or whatever that is per channel that uh, they're charging you get 
pay because they're not going to <laughs> take that. Defense. So for a while, exactly. So for a while, you know, YouTube being a Google uh, thing, you know, they they did absorb a lot of it because they wanted to be big and they wanted to be dominant and they wanted to be the, the number one, et cetera, et cetera. But at some point, you know, uh, they have to make money too. So every time when the channels uh, raise the, the rates of how much the, of the carriage deals, basically, you know, all those MVPs also raise their prices. And what is happening now is that uh, um, you're basically paying the same as you would be on cable. And actually on cable, they have all kinds of package deals where like, uh, you know, uh, they negotiate with a certain studio for certain channels. If they, if they take a, a lesser popular channel into the package uh, that they want to promote, et cetera, then they get a better deal. So on cable, you can get all kinds of deals that you cannot get at the moment on those uh, online MVPs, which is like, you know, get HBO if you subscribe to this, get Showtime if you subscribe to that and all kinds of things like that. So uh, cable is becoming a cheaper option. And cable, mind you, is now also online because uh, companies like uh, uh, Comcast and and uh, Spectrum, you can actually operate through your Apple TV or through your smart TV. You don't actually need a cable box anymore, which technically makes them also online yeah. services. That's so interesting. I, I think Netflix price, you know, at least at least Netflix from all of them has the best excuse. Yeah, we're spending $200 billion on production, so we raise the price. I, I can get it. Yes, but who That's asked true. them to spend nobody asked you. Billion. Nobody asked you to go to different countries and buy packages because they're doing the same thing. They're going to countries and they say, I'm going to buy this AAA title and I'm going to take a few of the really, really bad titles and I'm going to put them on my service because that make, it makes complete sense. But nobody asked them to spend so much money. No. And you know that a lot of the, a lot of the independent uh people who have like independent movies they actually pay netflix to have their their movies so netflix but but again at least netflix makes sense in a way i think that the other ones are pretty much are are kind of well priced i think they're fairly priced i don't like all the ad level versions i don't understand why i'm paying to watch ads that drives me insane also they should limit the amount of ads if i'm paying like they should be just beginning and end maybe in the middle but having like full on five breaks in the middle of a show that's not fair and again that is that is a difference between cable and online because uh, the fcc mandates how many minutes per hour we get of commercials it is on for on a 60 minute show you can have 18 minutes of commercial so basically yeah. it's uh, 42 minutes of the show uh, same thing if it's a half hour show then it's uh, 22 minutes for uh, for a half hour show um, so eight minutes of uh, commercials online there's no mandate for that yet so they can put as many commercials for as long oh, as nice. they want oh nice they can do that that's beautiful <laughs> well, you didn't you didn't see that that there's many more commercials online than you get uh, on your TV. To watch you, well, you don't watch TV, and I want, and I definitely don't watch Me TV. Too. I haven't watched regular TV in forever. Court cutting is one of those subjects that is always changing, always happening because this world is fluid, and I'm sure we're gonna definitely touch back on it. But right now, like Ronnie's mentioning, it's it's insane to think that cable is becoming the cheaper option. 
and that having all of these streaming companies and nobody asked you guys to create all these shows really just focus focus and stop canceling things that we like even though again who 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 gets to say what we like and what we don't like about streaming yeah and, and you know they keep renewing like for instance the night agent which just premiered yeah. like a few days ago on netflix it was already renewed for a second but season. that's most people haven't even but seen that's it. that's what how they check uh, by the article i read uh, that we talked about last week as well they are checking mm -hmm. what happens on the first couple of days as far as they're concerned if that breaks some sort of a record for them it's worth investing into but mm -hmm. how many shows are getting you know hurt by people like me who are not watching new stuff with cable being the lesser option we're kind of going retro and if going retro, just a little smidge about Microsoft. Last week, we talked about how they invested highly in AI. Ron, they are not part of the company from what I understand. They've, they are renting the usage of ChatGPT from OpenAI. Well, all of the tools from OpenAI. This is a 10-year relationship that at the end of it, Microsoft is injected out. And I think something is happening here because this 10-year plan also covers their 10-year plan after buying Activision. Microsoft in the UK just got the green light that they are not monopolizing, that they're not going to hurt the gaming industry by purchasing Activision and by taking control over Call of Duty. But as we all know from the uh, Bethesda purchase, Microsoft is known for buying companies and then locking them for themselves. Just last week, I think it was a game from... But, you know, this is exactly what we were talking about before Amazon and AMC. It's, it's, you know, they have the Xbox and they also the companies that uh, do the That's games. That's true, but now they're buying the biggest publisher in the world. They, this is a monopoly. And more than that, they are taking over some franchises and they are promising in the lawsuit against them, they promise that they're not going to do it. And to justify that they're not going to do it, they are willing to sign a contract that's going to give 10 years for other platforms to get Call of Duty. But what about the rest of the games? They're not protected. And what happens at the end of the 10 years? Microsoft is not new. They're not making this decision for now. They're making this decision for 10 years from now because they know that in 10 years, they're going to have a big chunk. They would control some of the biggest franchises in the game. They are going to be exclusive to them. They have, and I'm sure that they have an AI who's learning. You mean exclusive to Xbox? Yeah, but they won't need the Xbox anymore because we know that gaming is going to transcend into cloud in one way or another every screen you own is going to be a game portal with game pass they are very smart in what they're doing and connecting the fact that in 10 years they're probably going to eject themselves from open ai and introduce their own ai that just spent 10 years learning all of this and what's going on microsoft's 10 years plan if they were to come into an interview they won because their 10-year plan is brilliant. They're controlling AI. They're definitely going to control the gaming industry. And I really hope that the US is going uh, to put a stop to it. Because the fact that we know that just this month, at least two games have gone away from other platforms because they belong to studios that Microsoft bought, that's not fair. That's not okay. And it's weird to me that lawmakers who saw this agreed with Microsoft saying that they're not going to hurt the system and that they're actually opening up the competition. It's, it's insane to me, Microsoft. Yeah. I know. don't like them. I know. But Microsoft is a genius. Absolutely. Always has Absolutely. Been. I, mean, that, it, I mean, you know, when, when they came out with Windows and sold the franchise to every computer maker to put Windows on there where Apple only said we're going to put our OS on the computers that we make ourselves. 
in every move. That was that was the the turning turning. Uh, what is it called? A sliding yeah. door kind of thing of like how the game and and we're computer, seeing it again after many years of Microsoft dwindling back, being the company that everybody makes fun of in the tech world, and here they are, the black horse running to the front. The uh, we talked about it. The, their presentation for the AI thing blew me away. It was one of the best presentations I've seen by a company in many years, and the joke that Google did the next day showed us showed us how far ahead Microsoft is ahead of the game. They're doing a really good job. I hate to say that, but good job, Microsoft. Next week, Brittany's leaving us. She doesn't like us anymore. Aww. Not forever. Maybe. We don't know this. You're going to go, uh, you're, you're going yeah. on tour and you're never going to call back. But where are you going? Tell us, because there's a lot of drama happening and we all love K-pop drama. Yes. Um, I'm definitely going to use this time as a K-pop fan to complain about Ticketmaster. So I am going to three cities in six wow. days uh, following my favorite K-pop group, NCT Dream. And I'm really excited for it, but the ticket buying process was an absolute nightmare. Wait, you're going to see the same show over and over again? Yes, three times, all within like the first this couple This is rows. not different than what people did in the back in the olden days. <laughs> a lot of people do this. Till today. Yeah, like a groupie style, but... But not in a creepy way. It's, it's so do really you expect just, them yeah. to recognize you by the third show? Oh, this girl was there yesterday. So one member I've seen three times in person already, and he has pointed at us a couple times because we we always get very front row and we're always very loud and do like hand movements, and he's always like, "You guys." So we'll be seeing him three times. So he'll probably make more of a friendship. Nice. <laughs> no, that's, that's really awesome. Absolutely delirious. But, but yeah, so we're very close to the front, um, but the, the ticket for sale, like when that, that was going down, we had to buy in two on the same time zone. So Newark and Atlanta, and that was on one time zone. Those went for sale at the same time. And we were like rushing to buy tickets. Everything was pretty much sold out once he got in. It's like a queuing process. Then they finally let you in in like phases and pretty much everything was sold out. We bought something for pretty high because we were we just settled we just wanted to make sure we got our tickets and noticed that like literally the next day those tickets those same exact tickets are about four hundred dollars cheaper in the same row wow through Ticketmaster. No. so Ticketmaster, and you can't resell your tickets on Ticketmaster even if you bought them to, through Ticketmaster for this event they're locking that down so for the same row same seat they were price gouging anybody that was in there it was all through demand um, so that they were just like upping their prices really high because so many people and were. Can you complain to customer service or they don't care? We have, they do not care. So this was a huge thing. A lot of people who's like a lot of younger girls are going who have parents that control their funds. And a lot of parents called in, like parents were flooding Ticketmaster. They will, their return policy is like locked down. Like there are no refunds, like too bad, even though they are clearly price, price gouging. Interesting, because weren't they just at uh, the House or in Congress? Wasn't there just a hearing with Ticketmaster on the whole Trailer yeah, Swift thing? Yeah, for the Taylor Swift. It was there that they decided that there's not going to be any uh, sales happening after sales um, on tickets. But weren't that whole hearing was about protecting you, us? It's literally gotten worse. And I've been buying tickets wow. through Ticketmaster for a, like, a long time. And since Taylor Swift, it's gotten worse. Because like, even... So you can't resell your tickets, right? But to this day, I will go into Ticketmaster and I will sit there and refresh the screen and new seats wow. will pop up. And this is for next week. So Ticketmaster, there's like bots that 
price gouge, right? And those are usually on Vivid Seats or SeatGeek. Ticketmaster is not only price gouging people by their base level sales, they're also scalping people with another bot that has been buying seats then periodically throughout the coming weeks, just like relisting tickets for ridiculous prices. And they're getting away Insane. with all of this. So yeah, it's, I, I lost about $700, potentially yeah. going up. Um, but the good thing that they do allow this one saving grace, I guess you could say that they have is that I, the rows that we got were really far back and we want to be very close. So we are able to call them and be like, Hey, I saw that there's row AA, which is the very first row. It's the same price now that I paid for row 16. Can okay. you move us? And they will move you, but charge you 20 something dollars just to do that. And then throw in some extra fees at the end so like we thought we were getting a seat for first row for like 70 bucks they charge us like oh 150. my god just just of like whatever they felt d- like almost fees. double yeah yeah i mean it wasn't double like the pr- the tickets were like 700 dollars. Wow. so like 150 extra is not like crazy split in two talking but. about technology affecting our lives <laughs> oh my god yeah getting scammed by a company legally somehow it's not only legally it's it's a company that just was in the news because of their ticket manipulation and price gouging like this is the exact subject that we're talking about a month ago and the fact that it keeps on happening and and it's even worse now it's worse wow yeah and and this is interesting you know and they control so much of the market control 70 more than 70 percent they control of the theater so ticketmaster talking about monopoly not only that they control the way you buy the ticket they also make money from the theater itself from the actual building it's impossible it's impossible that these things are connected in a way and and to think that i was about to give them a good like a good bump and say hey ticketmaster is actually jumping on new technologies to make things easier but it sounds like they're not no way to take more money from you tells what it is yes yes right so i'm just baffled by this so Ticketmaster just announced, <laughs> I'm mad, I am. Uh, Ticketmaster just announced that they are going <laughs> to uh, implement a tool that's going to let artists use NFTs to give showgoers more power. Comes from um, either you would be able, if you have the NFT, you would be able to log to Ticketmaster and connect your virtual wallet. And if you have the right NFT, you would be able to access a pre-sale and get discounts. And later on, obviously, if you use it in the right way, or if they're really crazy, you can do VIP entrances. You can do, you know, can say that whoever holds the NFT gets to talk to the formers or come on stage. You can do crazy things and Ticketmaster is going to support it. And now that we know that they are controlling everything, it's very easy for them to do it online and then also provide that service in the theaters themselves. I read that and I was like, okay, amazing. They're giving more power to the artists themselves because the NFT is being sold by the artist. It's the artist that says, hey, I have 5,000 people who are NFT holders and I want to give them this discount and I want to give them this access and I want them to get a hat when they scan their tickets when they come in. I want them to be flagged and get like something cool only because they're part of my community. And and like I said at the beginning, and always, NFTs are fascinating. They're amazing because it's a technology that still doesn't have a real purpose and it can be utilized from digital things to physical things. And I was like routing for Ticketmaster and now I'm like, Ticketmaster. Anybody not watching the video doesn't know that I'm and there's like the whole... doing bad things to the camera. <laughs> 
the whole like bad for the environment too there's there's problems behind nfts well, um, well that, that's that problems that's problems another... behind the blockchain and we will definitely get to talk about blockchain and crypto and nfts yeah. but that's for a different time because you know what time it is right now yeah. time to go home well i am home <laughs> <laughs> it's time to say good night and i wanted to thank all our listeners and i want to say thank you for being there if you want enjoy us more please subscribe we are on youtube we are on spotify we're on apple podcasts we are available through our website as well which is entertainmentplus.show and you can reach us at intplusshow at gmail.com if you have any comments, any ideas, any subjects, any clarifications, or if you know something about something we talked about and we missed, please hit us up and we would love to share that with everyone. Thank you very, very much to all of you. And thank you to Ron and Brittany for being here with me. I believe that from the story, Brittany might not be here next show, but we will make sure to have a warm show for you to come back to. And we hope that you enjoy your K-pop tour. Thank you. I will definitely bring findings Ooh, from yes, that. <laughs> See how maybe, it goes. And maybe you can film yourself and also send us something from the road. I will definitely. I'm actually vlogging. There the we go. Thing, so. There, there we go. go. So if anyone is listening to this and they want, where can they find you, Brittany, if they want to watch it? Uh, Chris and Bell on YouTube. There we go. There we go. No. We will add the link to it on our show. And of course, you can follow us on social media. We're all on TikTok, Instagram, and everything above. I use my name, so it's pretty easy to find me. And I believe everybody else is doing the same. Thank you very much. And have a beautiful rest of whatever you're going to do.